0: welcome to pff fantasy football podcast i'm your host ian Harditz, and today we continue our fantasy Files series with a look at how things can go wrong for each of the top 12 running backs based on pff's consensus ranks uh if you missed the first part of this mini series i did quarterbacks on front on the saturday release excuse me and yeah basically the moral of why i'm doing this is that i really believe you can talk up almost any player in the league these are all professional athletes if they have even like 10 games of film on them you can probably find another of highlights to make a minute long clip. And when we say someone sucks, it's relative to all the other professional high caliber athletes out there. So even guys, you know, Kalen Balaj, Hunter Renfro, <sighs> chris herndon like i went through just examples and the quarterback one that i won't rehash again you can still find a stat a clip something to try to talk these guys up and we see that throughout the fantasy football offseason when people are trying to talk up you know their wide receiver 60 you're not high enough on this guy i've done it before too you've probably done it with your friends before that's not the point of this episode i want to talk about the worst case scenarios for these guys to make sure you're considering the whole picture please don't confuse this with me fading these guys i'm not telling you to fade each other top 12 running backs just like some people saw my my guys list and thought oh ian you idiot why would you take these guys like not ranked inside the top 12 maybe i should have done a my guys list and just had you know Christian McCaffrey, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Devontae Adams, and left it at that. Anyway, going to go through the top 12 running backs and talk through where things could potentially go wrong. Spoiler alert for a lot of these guys. They have enough volume that I think they'll be just fine, barring health, and believe me, I'm not going to hang my hat on, hey, this guy could tear his ACL in week one and be done for the year. That's a cheap way out, and again, difference between being injury prone and already injured as always. So starting things off, RB1 Christian McCaffrey and yeah look even like Trent Richardson in his first year was a top 10 fantasy running back because of volume and Christian McCaffrey has more of it than just about anyone I will say while it was a three-game sample last year and he averaged more fantasy points per game in 2020 than he did 2019 that was on the back of six touchdowns in three games we did see McCaffrey's receiving volume take a little bit of a hit In 2017, he averaged 7.1 targets per game. In 2018, 7.8. 2019, 8.9. 2020, 6.3 targets per game for McCaffrey. Now, one of those games, he came back uh, mid-season. Mike Davis was still involved, and they combined to have like 15 targets. So theoretically, if McCaffrey was 100% for that game, he would have gotten all those, and the number would have been juiced up. I don't think he's going to have a problem approaching triple-digit targets. Just realize, you know, McCaffrey being a really really solid fantasy RB1 and him being one of the best fantasy football players we have ever seen is contingent on him getting you know more than 100 targets when he had like 142 targets like how can anyone bust with those numbers when McCaffrey was a rookie he was the like RB9 overall in PPR scoring because he was averaging 7.1 targets per game so you know we always talk about how bad the offensive line is for Joe Mixon and Najee Harris without really considering that for McCaffrey because of the receiving production but the receiving production goes from you know all elite most we've ever seen from a running back to just really good that's how McCaffrey becomes anything other than the top overall back in fantasy for Dalvin Cook I'm surprised he kind of has avoided the injury uh kind of just discount that we're seeing with other guys because he hasn't played more than 14 games in a season since he entered the league and while he has been getting you know just fed 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 when he's there 30 scores in his last 28 games. Maybe we just see a little bit of scoring regression from that side of things. You know, Kirk Cousins and company are plenty capable. So is Alexander Madison. Some sort of a mix of Cook, you know, being at less than 100% maybe causes the workload to dip just enough for the scoring regression to kick into place. So, you know, similar to CMC, Look, Dalvin Cook is so freaking good. If he gets over 300 touches, I don't see this guy busting, but maybe, you know, we have seen instances of great running backs just not finding the end zone 15 times every year. Could be the case for Dalvin in 2021. Alvin Kamara, so. I, you know, if you go back and listen to my original fantasy file on Alvin before the whole Michael Thomas injury came up, I was maybe drinking too much uh, Kool-Aid that he was going to uh, not have as great a year as we're usually listening to. And Dwayne McFarlane and myself discussed this, uh, or excuse me, uh, Justin Boone and myself discussed this on the Friday um, 10 questions running back edition from last week. But anyway, Kamara without Breeze over the past two years has posted finishes as the RB3 the RB6, the RB9, and then RB16, RB17, RB23, RB26, RB36, and RB37. I mean, that's pretty significant, people. Six of his nine games without Drew Brees, he has finished as the RB16 or lower. The problem with Taysom Hill was lack of targets, and the problem with Teddy Bridgewater was a lack of scoring opportunities inside of a less lethal offense. So, Ultimately, Michael Thomas out of the picture. I'm not as worried about these things because Sean Payton's a smart guy and he'll know how to get his number one playmaker the ball. We could see the touchdown totals plummet a little bit though. 2020 he scored 21 touchdowns 2018 he scored 18 2017 he scored 13 2019 just six touchdowns for kamara i know he was dealing with an ankle injury there should be you know seemingly healthier this year for we absolutely expect him to be with that said without breeze either Taysom or jamis under center not a guarantee we see the saints offense just functioning as the perennial top 10 scoring unit that it was during the breeze payton partnership For Derrick Henry, primary concern is that the volume rears its ugly head. I mean, last uh, three guys to get over 400 touches in the season, DeMarco Murray in 2014, Le'Veon Bell in 2017, Christian McCaffrey in 2019, all busted hard next year. Now... DeMarco Murray came back in 2016, which is fine. Le'Veon busted because he decided to hold out. And McCaffrey, you know, shoulder injury. I think we can all see no one's worried about that happening again in 2021. So I'm not overly concerned about it. I mean, if we're fading Henry like this year, why didn't we fade him last year when he was also coming off 400 touches, including the playoffs? Has missed just two games since entering the league in 2016. So we will see what's what with Henry but it's you know if you're in Dynasty I get selling him but I just you know expecting him to fall off a cliff for no reason uh, just seems like wishful thinking for the haters out there ahead of 2021 RB5 Saquon Barkley I would say worst case uh, that week three return comes to fruition and we don't see him until then and then he just struggles to really cash in on his volume because efficiency could be in trouble if he's not at 100% if PFF's 32nd ranked offensive line ahead of 2021 isn't great Jason Garrett does Jason Garrett things and Daniel Jones does Daniel Jones things I will say though Saquon just in terms of you know projected expected fantasy volume has the fifth most fantasy friendly workload in the entire league so Saquon when he's out there even if it's not pretty it's gonna be productive people as bad as week one was last year when he had 15 carries for six yards against the Steelers the guy still finished as a top 24 RB because he caught six passes because that's what Saquon does and the Giants love feeding him the balls so hopefully you know fingers crossed Saquon's healthy and everything we've heard is not that he's struggling to get back to health it's that the giants are just being cautious to keeping his long-term health in mind so i think his uh worst chance at quote unquote busting is just going to be a less efficient version of the guy we're used to again though 300 plus touches for even the league's worst running back is still probably going to produce a very solid fantasy back rb6 ezekiel elliott Last season's fumbling problems could continue to persist. And, you know, the best shape of his life reports don't actually end up making a difference on the field. And the one interesting thing with Derrick Henry, like career, college, and NFL touches from these RBs. Derrick Henry has 1,877 career, you know, college, and NFL touches. Zeke has 2,304. I mean, no other of the top 10 ADP RBs is even at 1,800. But Zeke, you know, over 400 more touches. That's almost an entire season of uh, wear and tear on his body. Now, similar to Henry, I think Zeke's only missed one game due to injury in his whole career. Henry's only missed two. So I'm not saying we should expect an injury just to expect an injury, but things are going to go south. I guess considering that workload uh, is a factor, we could also see Tony Pollard continue to ball out, maybe force it into a little bit more of a timeshare than we've seen in past years. RB7, Aaron Jones. League's reigning number one scoring offense gets a little bit closer to where they were in 2019, which was 15th. And then the absence of Jabal Williams doesn't lead to more uses for Jones. A.J. Dillon merely comes in and continues to make it a 1A, 1B system. Ultimately, I think Jones will see more targets than he's used to seeing. And the guy's been such a you know touchdown fiend with that high scoring offense. I'm not, I'm not so sure. Betting him under double digit scores is wise either. But if he doesn't get an increase in touches and just Rodgers in the offense is a little bit less of a you know, world-beating group in 2021. That's how Aaron Jones you know, maybe finishes as more of a borderline RB1 as opposed to the top five guy he's been more years than not. RB8, Austin Eckler. Chargers continue to ignore him around the goal line. Please don't send me that Roto-World news blur about how the Chargers want to use multiple running backs this year. You really don't think Austin Eckler is going to be the lead guy. They're paying him as a top 10 back. They're holding him out of the preseason along with Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert. Just spare me the idea that any of these other guys are gonna have a super meaningful role. It sounds like Justin Jackson might now have the RB2 lead. So whatever beat writer said, he was a cut candidate a couple months ago. Thanks a lot for that one. But basically... The worst case scenario for Eckler is if Kelly Jackson Roundtree just really take over the goal line role and, accordingly, a lot of the early down work. Like, I don't think I, any of them are going to get the true Melvin Gordon sort of usage. None of them are the first round pick that Melvin Gordon was and as good as Melvin Gordon was to warrant that kind of role in the first place. But hey, you know, ultimately, it doesn't matter what we think, it matters what the coaches think, and that could come to fruition. And also, if you notice Justin Herbert last year, he was struggling initially when Eckler came back in the lineup. And I think a part of that was almost what happened with Teddy Bridgewater. Same thing, where he performed a little bit better once McCaffrey left the lineup. Your offense should not be based around dumping a ball to the running back immediately. If it's there, take it. But, you know, throw to your freaking wide receivers downfield if that's there instead of taking the four yards with your running back. And it was curious, and this is not rather arbitrary split, but again, I'm talking worst-case scenarios here. Eckler in his first five games with Herbert, Averaged 9.8 targets per game. And his last three, he averages 4.7 targets per game. So over half fewer targets uh, in the last three compared to the first five. Again, fairly arbitrary split. I don't see Eckler finishing outside the top two or three running backs and uh, overall targets this year. But if that just reduces a little bit, similar to uh, Kamara, you know, you're really starting to handcuff uh, the best part of what these guys bring to the table. Four more here, RB9, Joe Mixon. The offseason proclamations from offensive coordinator Brian Callahan about utilizing Mixon as a true three-down back just don't come to fruition. Samaje Perine, Travion Williams, Chris Evans, one of those guys takes up Giovanni's leftover snaps, and because of that, Mixon ends up being more of the guy he's been for the last few years, You're know, more of an early-down bell cow with the receiving chops, but not enough to really go when you're your league. Obviously, the offensive line problems will be much more important to consider if Mixon isn't getting the target gets to go along with it. I would just say, though, people, like with Mixon, his whole, like, you know, I've seen all the gifs, the Michael Scott, oh, I'm ready to be hurt again every single time someone brings up Joe Mixon. Like, yeah, you were for sure hurt by Mixon last year. I just don't get this kind of, I guess, idea that he's someone that's just been consistently killing fantasy teams over the years. I mean, if you just look at where he has finished over the years, in 2020, he was the RB10 in PPR points per game. First time in his career didn't play at least 14 games. 2019, he was the RB 13 overall. In 2018, he was the RB 10. So, no, I'm not going to remove his dope game against the Jaguars in 2020 and only use the other games. Like, do you want to pull up Jonathan Taylor's season and take away all the Texans, Jaguars, and Packers games? Because you're going to see someone that looks a lot uh, you know, worse in that case, too. So, same thing with Miles Sanders. You know, what did Miles Sanders do when he take away his eighty three 80 yard touchdown runs last year? They made the plays, they had the big games, they count just like the back. Bad games do. We're not taking those ones away either. So with Mixon, he has the volume seemingly to not be even capable of busting to a high level. And that's honestly been the case more times than not. Here's to hoping he's healthy in 2021 and beyond. RB10, Nick Chubb. He's so freaking good. I don't know how Nick Chubb with, you know, anything over 250 touches would really bust much. But maybe Kareem Hunt, who's also pretty damn good, makes this more of a committee. Year two, Kevin Stefanski offense with Baker Mayfield. They throw a ball a lot more often. And Nick Chubb ends up being just not having enough touches to really uh, flirt with top five status. It's weird that Nick Chubb, who I think most people would consider a top five real life running back, hasn't finished better than the fantasy rb8 so if hunt you know gets hurt or just takes a step back we're looking at someone with legit overall rb1 upside if chubb could just get the targets people like the ceiling is the roof for the guy but with that said you know wouldn't be absolutely shocking if hunt who's an incredible rusher in his own right does start to split things up a little more i don't really see it happening i think the split from last year tells us that chubb is for sure the guy hunts the one that might be overvalued if anything just realize you know kareem hunt best backup running back in the nfl it's not out of the realm of possibility for him to be a little more involved in 2021 than he was in 2020 jonathan taylor similar thing as nick chubb like he's going to be fine with the rush attempts and commanding early down usage he's going to have the most touches the most production the question is will he have the sort of numbers to post a top five top six finish as opposed to top 12 and one of the things i also talked about with justin boone on our friday running back podcast was the point where you know we don't want to get cute early we don't want to lose our draft early on and so nick chubb jonathan taylor even if they don't necessarily have top five top three upside with they don't get more targets hey they're sure looking like pretty good locks for the top 12 based on their status as guys that should see 250 rush attempts with ease behind just off awesome offensive lines but Jonathan Taylor he's pretty much the only running back in the top 15 that's going to be sharing the backfield with not one but two other backs Naeem Hines is the pass down back and one of Jordan Wilkins or probably Marlon Mack will have small roles now Please don't draft either Wilkins or Mack. I'm not saying they're a legit threat to Taylor, but even 15% snaps can be the difference between Taylor being more of a borderline RB1 and, again, getting into that top 10. So last year, Heinz, Wilkins, and Mack out-snapped and out-opportunity uh, carries plus targets. Taylor on the year, I mean, Taylor had 271 combined carries and targets. Heinz, Wilkins, and Mack had 272. So yeah, Taylor hopefully eats more into that and ends up being the top 10 back most people are drafting him to be. I'm just saying if the targets and scoring stuff regresses from Rivers to Wentz, all of a sudden we're getting a less fancy friendly version of the limited workload that we already saw last year. RB12, Najee Harris, offensive line is that bad as people think it is. But the thing is like if Najee is gonna be the guy getting the 300 touches like we think, why are we worried about his offensive line when we're not worried about Dalvin cook and Christian McCaffrey's like, for some reason we have such an easy time dismissing the offensive line for cook and McCaffrey because of usage. But the second we look at Mixon and Najee, who really should be projected for not identical usage, but pretty similar in terms of just being guys that don't leave the field for three downs. That's when we have a problem with the offensive lines all of a sudden. So with Harris, I think it's would be more of an issue of him just not being as good as we think he is. Maybe big Ben doesn't, uh, You know, think he's trustworthy. He focuses more of his underneath targets on Juju and Deontay, maybe even Jalen Samuels instead of Najee. Do I see this coming to fruition? No, I think Najee's going to be great on all three downs. Uh, Just saying, in his, again, it's tough for him to busts on the volume and his first round draft capital and everything we've seen in the preseason tells us he's going to be the three down workhorse to me the only way he loses that job and thus loses his spot as a fantasy rb1 is if he starts playing bad enough to have the coaches actually take him out of the game that's going to wrap up this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. As always, want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors now, DraftKings. College football season is just around the corner and to celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 more on any college football game. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to receive... $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game as promo code PFF to get your free $200 in free bets instantly limited time only DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older New Jersey Indiana or Pennsylvania only new customers only restrictions apply see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT Thank you all for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. New episodes out every day of the week throughout the offseason. We will be wrapping up the Fantasy Files series next Friday on the 20th. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. In the meantime, of course, we'll still continue to have, I would say, five podcasts per week uh, throughout the rest of the offseason. And once we get back into the year, we're going to have them on Sunday night. or Yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday five days a week. And then on Sunday mornings, we're actually going to be having a start-sit fantasy hour show where you guys can submit your start-sit questions and I can answer them. I fully subscribe to, you know, teach a man how to fish and they can feed themselves for lives versus, uh, you know, just giving him a fish. I don't want to sit here and just tell you who to play every week. I want to describe, you know, the process, why you should be playing these guys and all that. But when it gets down to Sunday, you just want to know who to start. If you still have questions, happy to help. So it'll probably be myself, Dwayne McFarlane, Andrew Erickson. We're thinking 11 a.m. So that way the injuries can roll in. And we can go through last minute stuff. Get your fantasy roster set before the real, you know, real life football pregame shows come on at noon. So hopefully you guys will enjoy that. And again, you know, just trying to help you win the fantasy leagues. I'm hoping to win mine as well. Got a bunch of freaking winners in here. How great is that? Great day to be great as always. I'm Ian Harditz. Until next time, take care, everybody.